listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. Hey friends, this is Jenilee here and today I decided to do something a little bit different. My typical day of posting a podcast I'm attempting to have be on Wednesdays and since today we are spending our day driving to San Antonio, I thought let's have a raw unscripted episode of Stephen and I tossing some ideas about what teachability actually looks like. We are pastors and we have mentored people, hundreds, hundreds, probably thousands of people over the years. And we have come to realize there's a difference between listening and not arguing like you're teachable and then actually being teachable. So Stephen, let's talk about this. Say hello. Hello. (laughs) Okay. So baby, talk to us a little bit about teachability. Define this word for us to begin with. Like for anybody who's unfamiliar with the word teachability, how, how would you describe it for people? Um, well, I think so you got to speak up. I think teachability, I mean, it's pretty simple in, in passing, but in pra- practical application, a lot of times people miss out because you can go into a teachable mindset with a couple of presets. If you go into a friendship relationship with somebody that's, you know, the mentor, and you think teachability means I get to express all about how, all how I feel and just get emotional affirmation, that's not really a teachable attitude. Although that's needed, many times people feel like I'm being teachable when I can just vent my feelings to somebody. And that's not necessarily the truth. That's more like counseling. More like counseling, yeah. yeah. Well, hold on. We're defining the word teachable real quick. So teachable, being teachable, is basically putting yourself in a position, in a relationship with a mentor or a leader in which you have committed to do what they're asking you to do and sometimes without thorough explanation just doing what they're asking you to do and trusting the leadership that God puts in your life is going to guide you the right way Mm -hmm. that's probably the number one aspect of teachability is an ability to listen and so we have that famous acronym that we use all the time people need to be faithful available and teachable and I think all three of those encapsulate kind of their, their mindset behind what being teachable is so I guess number one is just having the preset of going in with an attitude of I'm going to change the way I think based on what a person that I trust says to me. Of course, that you know, there's always this fear of what if I get abused, but we're talking about people whose lives you trust and relationships that you've trusted with previous decisions in your life. So yeah, okay. So this is good. I feel like I feel like we're starting with the end of the podcast. Um, <laughs> we're done. He jumped, jumped in the deep end right away. Um, okay, so let's actually back backtrack just a little bit. Teachability is a word thrown around in our church culture and our discipleship environment a lot mm-hmm. because it is something that we really focus on. Because, I mean, well, Proverbs is very clear about the importance of teachability. But really, if you define the word, it means you're able to be taught, right? So think about a student at school. A student who's able to be taught is going to be listening well. Mm-hmm. They're going to be following instructions, right? And they're going to be ultimately achieving what the request was, what the assignment was, right? Right. And so would you say those same three principles, I feel like that's kind of what you're describing in a more grown-up setting, um, is that they listen well. They listen to the instruction of their mentors, mm-hmm. and they 
follow directions, right? And they achieve the assignment. So let's look at listening to mentors. Like I have experienced sitting and, and talking with people who request to be mentored and they listen. Let's say they listen to everything I say. But they don't necessarily fulfill the assignment. Like, I'll give them instruction, but they don't yep. necessarily go and fulfill the assignment. So then the listening has to be followed with action, right? Yeah. And so, um, and listening doesn't mean that you can't say anything. Like, how, where would you say is the line between listening and yet still being able to speak into the situation? Like, to ask for clarity or offer or have questions to alleviate confusion or even if they disagree yeah. with their mentor about something? Well, I think there's always room for dialogue. But at the end of the day, if you find that there's always a dialogue on every topic or every request that's made, then there's an ulterior motive happening. If you go into a mentoring relationship with the mindset of what's in it for me, then you're not going to learn. Mm -hmm. You're always going to see things through the perception of how can I benefit or how's this going to help me promote myself or how's this going to expand my business? If you go in with that mindset, then you're not really being teachable. What you're doing is you're just utilizing or using somebody's abilities, skills, knowledge, whatever, for your personal benefit. And that self-motivated uh, preset in your thinking will eventually destroy the relationship because as a mentor or pastor or teacher, I'm not trying to just promote people to the next level. I'm trying to make them into the image of who Jesus is. And Jesus' whole life is sacrificing self, not promoting self. Yeah. And so when someone comes to me, which happens often, and they're like, oh, I want you to teach me how to preach. The number one question is, why do you want to learn how to preach? Is it just to expand a big ministry, do your own thing, you know, build a so it looks cool. audience, you know, because the fame is something that feeds your your ego, all those motives are self-serving. And everybody knows that when we say it, but we have to truthfully say, okay, am I here to learn about, learn how to be like Jesus for my benefit and what it can do for me? Or am I here to learn to be like Jesus because being like him means sacrificing myself? So listening well would mean, for me, I think what I've experienced with some, and even what I've done myself, because I'm, I'm an external processor. So sometimes I'll ask a question, I'll get the feedback, and then I want to talk about it in circles. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not always been something that blesses my leaders. And so I've had to learn that if I need to process it, in order to be a good listener, I need to realize that that conversation might mm -hmm. not be where you fully process it. No. In order to be a good listener, I need to fully absorb what they're saying, trust what they're saying, and not always have a response for it. Go home, think on it, meditate on it, pray about it, work it out with myself to where maybe I can begin to see what they're saying more fully. Mm -hmm. And then if I need to come back with some questions, come back with some questions. Yeah. Would you say that's better? Well, I think that's good. I think beneath that is, is a belief that full understanding has to be there before obeying or doing what's being asked. And many times, understanding only comes after obedience. Mm -hmm, and true. so, if I say, hey, this is step one, two, three on how to build this, you might understand it, but as you're doing it, mm -hmm. building step one, building step two, building step three, understanding will kick in like, oh, wow, that's why I did step three in this place and not in step one. Right. Explaining it many times 
just complicates the matter because if there's always going to be an abundance of questions, there's always going to be an abundance of questions, which in the long run may be beneficial, but most times it's just a detraction from obedience, you know, and not that, I mean, even when Jesus calls his disciples or he gives them directives, you don't find a lot of times he's explaining himself on why he's saying what he's saying. Right. He's saying, you can trust the person I am, do what I'm doing, do what I'm saying. That's true. And I think a lot of times people, not because they're critical, but just because they have trust issues, want an excessive levels of explanation when the truth is we need to deal with the trust issue. Why don't you trust what we're saying or what your leader is saying? You've trusted him with everything else, but when it comes to personal application or personal life changes, mm-hmm. we want an irrational level of explanation right. and it's really just uncovering a need for or a, a uncovering a trust issue at heart so in short you're saying that the need to argue or fully understand before obedience is not really a lack of understanding so much as it's a lack of trust many times and that understanding yeah. will typically come after obedience sure okay so the second aspect of teachability then following instruction um i think this is where the rubber meets the road because like what I experience with the kids sometimes is I'll give them a specific instruction for a reason that I have already decided is best to do it a certain way. Not always. Sometimes I'll give them their own freedom if it doesn't matter how it's done. Um, But sometimes I'll say, hey, this is how you need to do this. And I won't always explain why that's my reasoning. Mm -hmm. But then when they don't do it how I've described needs to be done, Mm -hmm. then they're not able to complete the assignment. They're not able to get the job done. And then we have to start all over. So in adult life and in, in being teachable, teachable and responding to our leaders, um, what would you say about the importance of following instruction? You know, it's always okay to ask, did I do this right the way you wanted it? Mm-hmm. Or did I complete this task like the way you asked? That's always, feedback is always a beneficial thing because you don't want to go long periods of time doing what you think is right, only to discover you've been doing it wrong. Right. So I think feedback, if that's what you're asking, it's, it's helpful, but it's easy to sometimes misinterpret a need for feedback with a need for validation. Yeah. If you're always seeking validation, then eventually what will happen is uh, everything you do, you'll look at it with a, a hyper sense of criticism or you know self-evaluation. And what happens is you, you're navel-gazing extensively and not looking forward. I Those mean, are just, really big words I just got lost in. Can you please give me an analogy? Because I got lost in all the big words. <laughs> well, let's just say, let's say, you know, let's say Pastor, our pastor, Pastor Felshaw, asked me to speak on Sunday morning. Great. Great opportunity. I get up, share a good message. Maybe it all feels like it went that great. And I'll call him up a couple days later and in a discussion I'll say how do you think I did and he'll give his feedback and I can take that and use it run with it brief whatever statement of, of comment commentary back but if I keep prodding looking for validation then what happens is I'll make him possibly regret giving me the opportunity because it's such more a task of making sure I feel validated in the task he gave me to do rather than just doing the task, doing it to the best of my ability, taking the constructive criticism and moving on. And so teachability is just saying I can be taught with one or two words or one or two statements rather than him having to validate my feelings in addition to um, 
teaching what he had to teach. Okay, we're talking about following instructions. Yeah. So tie that to following instructions. Well, it's like when someone gives you a direction, like I say to somebody, like, hey, you know, when I'm discipling people, we hit just the fundamentals. Like, you know, you need to be, be attending church every week. Well, the simple, the simple response is, yes, I need to be in church, and then I adjust my work schedule, I adjust my life schedule to make this a priority. You know, that's what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes I'll find, like, when it comes to, let's say, following instructions, Stephen's really great at, like, he gave the example of someone saying, hey, teach me how to preach. Well, what he'll often do is go, you know how you learn to preach? Is you sit under preachers and you listen to preachers. So he'll give them an assignment, a task, and he'll be like, here's, here's my directions. You need to come to church every Sunday and every Wednesday for the next six months. That's what you need to do. And he'll do that to kind of test their faithfulness and their teachability to follow directions. Because to the person learning, they might not fully understand the value of, how's that going to teach me to preach? You know what I mean? Because it doesn't feel like they're accomplishing what they're after. But what it is accomplishing is it's showing Stephen they're teachable. They actually want to learn. And they don't realize they're actually going to inherit more by submitting to authority and um, being willing to do what they're told because A, he'll give them more time and more trust, and then B, they actually will learn by sitting and submitting to authority simply by transference. And so um, following instruction is important because we won't always understand exactly why that instruction is coming or exactly what it's accomplishing. Um, kind of like, oh, that reminds me of Karate Kid, that scene in Karate Kid. Where he's like, teach me karate. And so he keeps giving him these little menial tasks. Like he has to pick up his jacket off the floor like 60 times or something. And then and then the kid gets frustrated. He's like, I give up. This is dumb. I'm over this. All you've taught me is how to pick my jacket up off the floor. And then uh, the teacher guy comes at him with like a jab or whatever. And the kid's um, muscle memory kicks in. The same actions required to pick the jacket up off the floor was the actions he used to block the jab. And so the teacher looked at him like, uh-huh. And the kid had the light bulb moment where he's like, oh my gosh, you were teaching me how to do karate, but it really showed up in these menial tasks. And so the teachability require, or the, the importance of following instruction, I think, is in that the teaching and the learning is hidden in the faithfulness that's required to simply do what you're told. Sounds good. Did I make that too complicated? Sounds well, I mean, in just practical application, like when someone in leadership, a parent, pastor, a teacher, gives you a direction, and inside you're thinking, you're like, I don't want to do that. If you don't have the discipline to stop and submit to authority and say to yourself, I don't feel like doing this, but I know this person, I can trust them, so I'm going to do it anyway with a happy heart. You're training your emotions how to respond, not just to them, but to God's voice, to, to directly to God's voice through authority. So when the voice of the Lord comes to you and says, I want you to do this, you don't go into an emotional tailspin wondering whether you can hear God's voice or not, but you know the voice of God and that even though your emotions respond in somewhat a rebellion, you've gone through the discipline of listening to godly authority so when God speaks, you know how to listen. Yeah. It's like the, the, the analogy or the, the example that we give, not analogy, example we get in Samuel, how he heard God's voice as a young boy. 
he was so used to hearing Eli's voice that when God spoke, he mistook it for Eli's voice, the high priest. And so he responded in a servant's heart to Eli when God spoke. And the confusion, which is obviously as a little boy, he didn't recognize whose voice it was, but it's a good indicator that he was used to responding quickly and in a humble way to Eli could indicate that's why God picked Samuel. Like he had a covenant, his parents, obviously mom gave him up to serve in the ministry, but like his responsiveness was so quick and so uh, cooperative cooperative in a humble manner uh, that God spoke to Samuel regularly. But you notice the the writer of, of 1 Samuel doesn't doesn't overlook the fact that this is how he began to hear God's voice. It was like he was hearing Eli's voice. And even in contrast, Eli's sons didn't know how to listen to him because they didn't know how to listen to God's voice, you know, and Eli's sons eventually corrupted the priesthood for his family. But Samuel learned and inherited the priesthood because, or inherited the position of hearing God's voice for a nation because he could hear Eli's voice. Good. Okay, so listening is step one. You have to be quiet. You have to be tuned in. You have to be absorbing and not always responding, but listening to instruction to be teachable. It's the first step. Second step is to follow through with faithfulness. Follow instruction. Once you've heard the instruction, you need to follow through on the instruction. And the third part is completing the assignment. And honestly, this is where I think the rubber hits the road for a lot of people. A lot of people start out really well, or a lot of people will listen. They'll go home and they'll think, or they'll get started in what you're saying. But let's go back to the example of Stephen telling someone, you need to come to church on Sundays and Wednesdays for six months. A lot of times they'll come for a month or two, but then they'll phase out. And so finishing, completing the assignment is the other indicator of true teachability, ability to be taught. You're not going to reap the benefit of doing, um, of growing and learning if you don't ever complete the instructions that are given to you. And so what would you say that you've noticed um, about people's ability, whether teachable or not teachable, their ability to complete the instruction and how I mean, that's kind of the last step in the phase of being teachable. And how, do you, how have you noticed that affect their lives and, and the way God promotes or doesn't promote them? I mean, I think teachability is a, it's an ongoing life lesson. There never comes a place where you're like, I don't need to be teachable anymore. And so in the context of um, follow-through, I think one way or the other, the series of the results of our uh, obedience will either produce success or failure. And both are equally um, equal responses of testing follow-through. So let's let's give an example of what I'm saying. Let's say, you know, with the, what we're saying, tell someone, hey, you need to be faithful at church. So they start coming to church on a regular basis, three, four, five weeks, and every service is just phenomenal. The pastor preaches an incredible message. The presence of God is there. And there's just this successful feeling or feeling of success in obedience. Well, that's usually a very powerful test. Success tests people just as much as failure will test people. Because when everything's going fine, there's that feeling of like, well, I got this done. I don't need to keep doing it. I don't need to follow through. And then what I'll find is like people that have 
God blessed their life with success in their ministry, success in their business, success in their uh, relationships, all of a sudden they think, well, that's my indicator. I can stop following through. I can, I'm finished the test and I'm done. I can coast. So I don't have to go every Sunday. I can go once a month. It's plenty enough for me. I can go, you know, every other week. I can, you know, just watch it online. And the faithfulness of doing exactly what you said uh, or what has been asked, you can um, kind of pull away from that and kind of, you know, water down the commitment level because success many times dilutes or brings a delusion to people that somehow they don't have to follow through in teachability. And the other, on the other side, a lot of times people respond to failure the same way. Well, I've tried this for three months, Stephen. We talk about, you know, even just regular church attendance, being faithful. Well, I tried it for two months, Stephen. Well, and nothing's really happening. Everything's the same. It's like saying, you know, I put a seed in the ground, Stephen, and three weeks have passed and there's no oak tree coming out you know it's not five feet round yet you know well it takes time and many times it's not so much we're failing or not seeing results seeing results it's just many times we're not seeing results fast enough and so we equate the long-term process of being mentored or being taught to somehow it's going to produce immediate results and most things in the kingdom take a long time to bring about. If you want character developing you, it takes a long time. It, if you want successful relationships, it takes a long time to cultivate them. Yeah. It's not different with God. If you want to grow in the nature and the character of God, it takes a long time. It took Jesus 30 years before he began his ministry. Yeah. He was probably ready at 12, yeah. but he was waited and he, the scripture tells us learned obedience through the things that he suffered and it took him till he was 30. It's not like 30 is a magic number. I'm just it's it's an example for us. It took Jesus time to build, cultivate this place of knowing who he was, knowing the calling, knowing the timing of the Father and hearing the Father's voice before he even began the first active ministry, you know. And so Man, if it took Jesus, if Jesus waited till he was 30, and I'm not saying that that's a magic number, but I'm just saying it takes us time to grow into this place of follow through, doing faithfully what we've been told until we're given further direction. Just because you have no uh, plan B doesn't mean stop plan A, you know, or step B doesn't mean stop step A, you know, and so, yeah. Yeah, and I, I've, I've experienced in conversation with people before who believe that they're teachable and have responded to instruction or responded to correction with a good attitude, but in the long run, we still didn't see the change that we were asking for or that they needed in order to grow and mature in that area. The change wasn't there because they didn't consistently make the hard choices that that were necessary. And so it was hard because it'd be like, well, in conversation, it feels like you're teachable, but in fruit, the fruit is not there to prove faith to prove that you were teachable. And so then that's kind of that's kind of where this this topic even came from was me, you know, trying to figure out like, hey, how would you define the difference? Because there's so much more to being teachable than just ha- having a positive response to correction or a positive response to guidance. There has to be the follow through. In fact, in the parable of the seed and the sower, it talks about the four different seed that were sown in different kinds of, or the seed that was sown in four different kinds of soil. And the soil is, of course, the different conditions of our heart, and the seed is the word. 
and so you know you've got your rocky soil that nothing could sprout up because it was all overgrown with rocks and then you have the footpath where nothing could grow up because it was just walked upon and, and it didn't have the opportunity to grow but then you had the two where one was shallow soil and it took root and it started to grow and then you of course you have the good soil the healthy soil where it took root and proceeded to grow and so there's two where it actually took root and began to grow but the difference between those two the shallow soil and the good soil is the shallow soil it said that they responded to the word with eagerness so there was a teach teachable response they were like yes I love this this word that I'm hearing is so good I receive it but it said that because they're their, their soil was shallow that when the cares of this world came in that it basically they couldn't they couldn't dig the roots needed because it just destroyed what was growing because they they were shallow in response and so basically the when I looked into the original text and language, the differentiation between the responses, both were eager to, to respond to the word. But the one who had the good soil and bore fruit, the difference was that they were obedient to the word in a perseverant way. And the one in the shallow soil, they were eagerly responsive. They had an emotional response, but they were not perseverantly obedient to that word. And the cares of this world snatched up the seed that was planted. And so the differentiation between someone who seems teachable and someone who is truly teachable is the fruit that comes in a long-term way because anyone can start out great. Anyone can have a great attitude in the moment. And, and yeah, that's even accomplishment sometimes when you're being corrected. It's tough to have a good attitude. But even if you manage to have a good attitude, that's not where teachability ends. Teachability ends by what you go home with. And if you change your heart and do the faithful follow-through that truly learning requires. And so, um, any last thoughts on that topic? You know, I just think of the things that lead people to not follow through or obstacles that cause, you know, short-term commitment. And probably the most we're all familiar with is people get offended. Uh, well, Stephen, I wanted to come to church, but the preacher said something or this happened and I got offended. And then offense always leads someone to be led by their emotions rather than by the principle that they started out with. And if you find that most of your decisions in life are made by statements or are, are preceded by statements of, well, I feel this, so therefore I'm going to do this. I feel this. Then you're being led by your feelings. You're not being led by the truth or by principle of what you've been told. And so offenses are usually the number one thing that knocks people out of commitment. Well, I felt, you know, God was leading me to do this. Then this happened and that happened. And then I felt this and then I'm out. So offenses can come in. The Bible tells us that that will always happen. It, Jesus says it is impossible except offenses should come. Even in following Jesus, I think Dallas Willard said this. He says, if you follow Jesus long enough, he will disappoint you. <laughs> Which means you're going to follow the Lord. But if you're committed to following him, there comes a time when it's not your best life today. There's a time where it's not the best. It's not... Um, you know, everything's rosy and great and, you know, you're always waking up encouraged, always full of the spirit. There's times you wake up and there's disappointment and you have to commit that I'm going to stick with this until I get back to the place where I'm not led by my feelings, but I'm led by the truth. So offenses 
have to be expected, anticipated, and you have to see through the offense as this is a test of whether I'm going to be faithful or not. Probably the second thing that uh, detracts people from being faithful is they just get tired. They get weary. And uh, the scriptures speak volumes to that. You know, it tells us about don't get weary, don't get tired in well-doing. Because in due season, you will reap a harvest. The way to not get tired, not get worn out, is to pace yourself like any good runner will know when you're in a long long haul you're running it you know 100 200 300 whatever meter you don't blast out the gate you pace yourself and as you pace yourself you have disciplines or habits let's just call what it is habits that will consistently inspire you to keep going forward like I have habits I don't listen to television often I don't watch the news all the time I don't read every post on Facebook. I have disciplines that I put in my life to keep me going. And so to keep from getting worn out, even on a physical level, I have habits. I eat a certain way. If I eat junk food all the time, I'm going to find my energy level level will tank. If I eat fruit, if I eat vegetables or whatever the, the situation, I have habits I put in my life. So emotional disciplines you can put in your life or habits you can put in your life are listening consistently to God's Word, reading consistently God's Word, spending time consistently with godly people who have upright conversations, putting those habits in your life. I don't spend a lot of time talking to people about how bad their life is. Those conversations, though they come, are short and sweet, and yet we move on, we quickly pull in God's Word, and we begin to reconstruct our thinking around the reality of who Jesus is and what he said about that situation. And so putting those habits in will deter you or keep you from getting a place from, I'm exhausted, I'm worn out. Many people make their their most foolish choices when they're emotionally wore out, distressed. And so offenses will come, uh, weariness, being tired, that'll come. Uh, I think those probably the number, the top two reasons why people don't follow through with the commitment of being teachable. I think what I've also seen, um, and we'll talk about the barriers to teachability, and then we'll we'll wrap it up with a couple practical ways to to maintain and nurture teachability in your own heart. But one of the number one things that I've seen, particularly recently, that keeps someone from being teachable, while there might be you know a trust issue or this or that, honestly, at the bottom of it is pride, and. When pride is the issue, that is really, really, really difficult to deal with um, from a mentoring perspective because you can literally be saying in plain English exactly what they need to do or stop doing and they will find a way around it. They'll find an argument for it. They won't hear you. They'll still do whatever they want. And it's one of those things that it's, it's tough because you're like, I'm, I, I want you to succeed, but you don't even see that pride is the thing that is keeping you from succeeding right now. You don't even see that you are tanking your own life because of the pride that you're walking in, and it's, it's tough. And so if you find that you have a habit of always having an argument or an excuse or a reason that you... Um, uh, I don't know if qualifies the right word, but let's say you're given advice. And if there's always a reason in your thinking as to why that advice doesn't fit your situation, 
it's a red flag because possibly you're actually just walking in pride and looking and, and operating out of a lack of teachability and are not able to see how that thing actually is applicable to your situation because pride always finds an excuse. And so between offense, between what was the other one that you said? Offense, weariness, weariness and pride. Those are three biggest things that protect an unteachable heart and, and keep us in a place of unteachability or keep us from follow through. Now, some ways that you can nurture teachability in your heart is um, intentionally listening with ears to understand. You may not understand when the instruction is initially given, but always looking at it through the perspective of trusting your leader and trusting, you know what, if they're saying this, there's got to be a reason. And so let me look for how this does apply rather than looking for how it does not apply. And so looking to see with wisdom, how does this apply to my life? That's one of the best ways to like cultivate a teachable heart is to, to see what wisdom can I draw from this? How can I apply this rather than looking for the exception to the rule? Um, what would you say are some ways to protect teachability in the heart? Um, I would just say, if you keep things simple, it makes life a lot less complicated. If I want to be a teachable person, if I'm seeking someone to teach me, keep it really simple. What they say, I'm going to do. When we get real, try to make things much more complex, like following Jesus, although it's a profound, um, courageous move in our life, our decision to follow him, He's a God of simplicity and not simplicity as an unintelligent, but simplicity as in, it's not hard to follow Jesus. It's just a matter of you listening and obeying. I can't tell you how many times I've taught messages on just listening and obeying. And a lot of times people think, well, I just want to follow Jesus, me and Jesus listening and obeying, but I don't want to listen to anybody else. Well, that is completely blindsided pride, you know, like completely blind view of how the gospel works. God speaks through people. If God doesn't speak through people and he only speaks in your head, then the God that you worship is only in your head. And so it's simple. Like keep things simple. Follow Jesus by obeying the voice of men of God, women of God that you've submitted yourself to. If you don't have anybody you've submitted yourself to, to teach you how to follow Jesus, following Jesus doesn't come organically. You don't just wake up one day knowing That's why the call to make disciples is such a pervasive call throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament. This context of teaching people how to follow God is important. That's why then the Old Testament you had the prophets. That's why you had the um, scribe, the the teachers of the law. Those men taught in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists. They're put there to equip the church to do the work of the ministry. And so all that to say is, keeping our heart in a place of saying I want to keep this simple the way I keep it simple is by staying teachable the way you stay teachable is putting yourself underneath the authority of people whom you trust and if you begin with trust you should end with trust if you find there's a regular pattern of I started trusting people trusting this leader and it always ends up in a feeling of betrayal it could be that all the leaders are corrupt you might have a listening problem where you automatically label people as they betray you when they tell you to do things you don't want to do. 
I would say too, another really simple way to nurture teachability in your heart is to regularly let the word of God pierce your heart and to allow it to take it as a personal challenge. When you see something in scripture that challenges something in your life, embrace it and allow it to change you immediately enact obedience. And that way you're it regularly, what you're doing is you're regularly cultivating a teachable heart towards the word of God and the voice of God. And so if you're in the habit of not creating defenses in your mind of, oh, that doesn't apply to me because of, but instead you're in the habit of, ouch, man, that hurts. That's an area I need to grow in. And you challenge yourself, then I'm going to grow in that area. And you begin to find ways to practice obeying that word. Then what you're doing is you're continually posturing yourself in a teachable way. And so I agree with Stephen. Keep it simple. If you're given instruction, do it. Don't entertain all the explanations and arguments and reasons. Don't take 12 years walking around the why and I don't understand. Just trust and obey. And then same thing when you're reading the word. Trust and obey and and challenge yourself on purpose to reflect what the word of God says. And so I hope this was helpful. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. It really means a lot to me. And don't forget, you can always email me with questions or comments at javawithjenpodcast at gmail.com. And for links or show notes, just go visit my blog at jennaleesamuel.wordpress.com. Until next time, you've got this and God's got you.